Expires 731-22. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. I'm catching on the hosel, right? Yeah, right, right. Moving my head. Yeah. Clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess. Four, please. Darren Pritchett is now broadcasting. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Good afternoon, everyone. Budweiser's weekday sports feed is on the air for this Wednesday. July the 13th of 2022. Right now it is 80 degrees in downtown South Bend with some beautiful sunshine. My name is Darren Pritchett. We're broadcasting live on 960 AM WSBT. A live stream available in two locations on our WSBT radio app, which is a free download at the iTunes or Google Play Store just by searching WSBT radio. Also, we are available at WSBTradio.com. And we started earlier this week a Twitch app account. Just go to Sports Radio 960 WSBT on your Twitch app. And we have a video stream going of our studio. So you can see all my weird movements as I'm talking about all these subjects here on WSBT Radio. Well, great to be with you, first of all, on this Wednesday. We are less than a month away from the start of Notre Dame Spring, or Notre Dame Spring, Notre Dame Fall Practice, and you got that first game coming up September 3rd in Columbus against Ohio State. We are ready for the football season around these parts, and we're going to talk plenty of football today, including at 6.07, the Notre Dame Football Beat Reporter, for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Tyler Horkett rejoins the program, and we're going to get into some Notre Dame football discussions. I want to ask him about the 2023 recruiting cycle that does not have a quarterback right now. If Tyler Buckner lives up to expectation as Notre Dame's starting quarterback, does that limit the necessary need to get an elite quarterback in that 23 class because then you might be able to go Buckner right into C.J. Carr, who is the 2024 Notre Dame football quarterback recruit. And he committed about, what, a month and a half ago. Very excited about C.J. Carr. So we'll get into that hypothetical coming up in just a little bit. Also, we will talk about the offensive line. Tyler thinks there's a chance that Zeke Carell starts at center, and Jared Patterson starts at left guard. So we'll get into that discussion with Tyler coming up at 6.07. I also want to ask him about Rocco Spindler. Where does he fit into all this? A guy that Notre Dame fans were very excited about when he committed to the Fighting Irish, a part of the 22 class, still waiting to break through into the offensive line. Does he have a chance this fall? All those topics and more coming up with Tyler at 6.07 here on WSBT Radio. Coming up this hour, in about oh, 20 minutes or so, our Twitter question of the day centers around Notre Dame football. I want to talk a little bit about the Open Championship across the pond at St. Andrews, which begins tomorrow. Still a lot of controversy, a lot of discussion about the PGA and European Tours versus Live Golf, the Saudi Arabian-backed tour with a lot of so-called dirty money backing that particular organization. And it has stolen away some great players with guaranteed money. Less tournaments. They make more money per tournament. So a lot of guys took the bait. And maybe next year they will not be a part of major championships. That is to be determined. It'll be very interesting to see what the Masters. It is an invitation-only tournament. Are they going to invite, for example, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, former champions who are now on the Live Golf Tour? Tiger Woods outspoken about those players that joined the Live Golf Tour. We'll play back his comments coming up in just a little bit here on WSBT Radio. Also in the 6 o'clock hour, our sports wagering segment here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
The first pitch and the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Well, we're going to go with several first pitches tonight to you as some former Notre Dame athletes made headlines today. And some Irish fans are hoping another person we're going to talk about is going to become a Notre Dame athlete soon. Let's go step-by-step here. Let's talk Notre Dame football first in our first pitch. Yesterday's program, Mike Singer joined me for his normal Tuesday visit. He is the Notre Dame football recruiting insider for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. One of our discussions centered around Austin Novosad, N-O-V-O-S-A-D. He is one of the top quarterbacks in the class of 2023. He is a young man that is a Baylor commit, but almost unofficially has reopened his thoughts on other schools. Right now, Baylor, Texas A&M, Ohio State, and Notre Dame are his final four. That's what he told on3.com. Notre Dame does not have a quarterback in their 23 class. The guy they pursued for a long time, Dante Moore, picked the University of Oregon on Friday. Dante seemed to cool on the Irish when C.J. Carr, the 24 quarterback, verbally committed to the Fighting Irish. So right now the Irish don't have a 23 quarterback. Texas A&M, stiff competition, no quarterback in their class right now. Novosad's parents went to Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher offered Novosad recently. Ohio State in a similar situation, looking for a quarterback in that class. And the Buckeyes have sent Ryan Day down to take a look at Novosad. That has to impact the young man, considering the quarterbacks that Day has worked with and is working with right now in Columbus. So the Irish have some stiff competition, but Novosad at the very least is rethinking his options as some major players in college football are very interested in him. He might just stick with Baylor. He's a Texas kid. But again, A&M, his parents went there. Ohio State, a long list of great quarterbacks there. And Marcus Freeman is dialed up. Austin Novosad trying to bring him into the 2023 class. Again, you got C.J. Carr in the 24 class, but you'd always like to have at least one quarterback in each and every class. So Austin Novosad, he thought he was going to be wrapping up all of his college thoughts at the end of June. Now he has pushed back that timetable. Obviously, we're halfway through July, and Novosad trying to pick between Baylor, A&M, Ohio State, Notre Dame, the number 14 quarterback in his class. So Austin Novosad is someone to keep an eye on. Now let's talk about a couple of former Notre Dame athletes making news today. One basketball, one hockey. As a hockey guy, we'll save the best for last. We'll start with a little hoops news. Pat Connaughton has just picked up some financial security and he gets to stay in Milwaukee where his career has blossomed. The former Notre Dame guard started his NBA career with the Portland Trailblazers. He was there from 2015 through the 2017-18 campaign, three years in Portland. Did pretty well there. His last year in Portland, he played in every single regular season game. He played in about half the games for Portland his first two years in the NBA. That final season in Portland averaged five points per ball game. Then at the age of 26, he moved over to the Milwaukee Bucks, and that's when his career really changed. Before he got to the Bucks, I always thought possibly that Baltimore Orioles opportunity still might come into play. A guy that throws in the 90s, he spent one summer pitching in the Baltimore Orioles organization. But deep down, he always felt like he was an NBA player. And you know what? Pat was right. He bet on himself, and boy, did it pay off. Once he got to Milwaukee, 
you've really started to see Connaughton find a really good groove coming off that Milwaukee bench. His first year in Milwaukee, 2018-2019, 6.9 points per game. He played in 61 games. 2019-2020, 67 games, averaged five points a ball a game. First two years in Milwaukee, only shot 33% from three, like a shooting guard, to hit a few more shots than that. Well, he has now started to hit more of those three-point shots. During their championship season of 2020-2021, Connaughton, 6.8 points per game. His three-point shooting went up to 37.1%. At the end of that 21 campaign, he picked up a huge ring as the Milwaukee Bucks beat the Phoenix Suns to win the NBA championship. They tried to run it back last year. Really good regular season for Milwaukee. They got knocked off by the Boston Celtics, who went on to be the Eastern Conference champion. But Connaughton's game took off last year, 65 games for Milwaukee. He had started only 16 NBA games in his career before last year. Last season, he started 19 games for Milwaukee. His points per game went up nearly three points to 9.9 points per game, and he had 39.5% of his three-point shots. Consistently a guy that's averaging four rebounds, two assists per ball game, steady player coming off the bench, terrific role player, and that's not a negative, but he knows his role with Milwaukee and played a career-high 26 minutes per game last year with Milwaukee. And Pat Connaughton and the Milwaukee Bucks are now tied together a little longer. Great news for Pat Connaughton. According to ESPN, Pat Connaughton and the Milwaukee Bucks have agreed on a three-year contract extension worth $28.5 million. That's over $9 million per year. There is also a player option at the end of the three-year contract extension. So unless there is a change in terms of a trade over the next three years, Pat Connaughton is locked in with the Milwaukee Bucks and gets the extension today, according to ESPN, three years, $28.5 million with a player option. The Bucks are going to be an Eastern Conference championship contender once again this year. And Connaughton will be a big part of that Bucks team, one of the first guys coming off that Milwaukee bench. The other former Notre Dame athlete that made news today, one of my favorites, former Irish hockey player Ian Cole is going to play for a seventh NHL team. Way back when, Ian Cole was a crucial piece in the building blocks of Jeff Jackson with this Notre Dame hockey program. When Jeff joined Notre Dame as the head coach, he needed to kind of break down a wall and start getting in elite talent into this program. Guys that would be high draft picks in the NHL. Mission accomplished. Ian Cole broke down that barrier by becoming the first elite guy to pick Notre Dame. He was a part of the U.S. Developmental Program in Ann Arbor. Actually, Plymouth, Michigan, but right next to Ann Arbor. The assumption was he was going to go to Michigan. He didn't. He picked the Irish, and that changed everything for the Notre Dame hockey program. So Ian Cole, in my mind, will always be a big reason why this program is where it is today. Jeff Jackson's the number one reason. Number two, you could argue, is Ian Cole being that first guy to make the jump to the Notre Dame hockey program and was a part of the 08 team that was a national runner-up out in Denver to Boston College, losing to the Eagles 4-1. That was the first time Notre Dame had ever made the Frozen Four, and they made it all the way to the championship game. Ian Cole was a part of that team. Cole also became the first first-round pick of a Notre Dame hockey player, number 18 overall back in 2007. He became property of the St. Louis Blues. The problem was Ken Hitchcock became the head coach of the Blues when Ian Cole made it to the NHL. And Hitchcock has been known to be really tough on rookies, not liking rookies a whole lot. One mistake, Cole would be on the bench for a couple of games. 
that's not a great situation for a young player trying to get settled in the NHL. His first four years in St. Louis, 26 games, 26 games, 15 games, 46 games. Eventually was traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins during the 14-15 campaign. Had a great run in Pittsburgh, winning two Stanley Cup championships. Since leaving Pittsburgh in 2018, when he was traded to the Columbus Blue Jackets, he has played with Colorado, Minnesota, this past season with the Carolina Hurricanes, a team that had a chance to win the Stanley Cup but came up short. Cole played in 75 games for the Hurricanes at the age of 32. Well, today, Ian Cole has a new sweater to hang in his man cave. The Tampa Bay Lightning are bringing in Ian Cole to their Stanley Cup contender locker room. Cole, at the age of 33, reportedly gets one year, $3 million with Tampa Bay. They just shipped off a really good defenseman, Ryan McDonough, to the Nashville Predators after the season as they had to trim some of their salary to get under the salary cap. Ian Cole brings a veteran presence to their blue line, having played in over 100 Stanley Cup playoff games, winning two Stanley Cups with the Penguins. He still is a guy that skates well, makes great decisions in his own zone, and moves the puck extremely well, which is vitally important in today's NHL. Not only do you want to get the puck out of your defensive zone, you want to hit one of your forwards streaking through center ice. Center ice gets clogged up very easily. If you can get that puck out quickly, get a little odd man rush, good things happen for your offense, and Ian Cole can provide that to a Tampa Bay team who still believes they are in the midst of a dynasty. I'm not sure how many titles in a row you need or how many titles in so many years you need to be called a dynasty, but Tampa Bay, at the very least, is knocking on the door. The Lightning won the Stanley Cup championship during the COVID-shortened season of 20. Won it again in 2021 and made it all the way again to the Stanley Cup final this summer before falling in six games to the Colorado Avalanche. This is a Tampa Bay team that is supposed to fall back. That's what the salary cap is for. It forces you to make changes. But Tampa Bay continues to figure out a way to stay Stanley Cup ready. And with Ian Cole coming in, along with the nucleus they have, Tampa Bay once again will be a major threat to come out of the East and compete for another Stanley Cup championship. This is a great fit for Ian Cole. Perfect guy for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm excited for Ian. This is a terrific opportunity and a chance to kind of go to a different tier in the history of the NHL, a chance to win a third Stanley Cup championship. So our first pitch today, just telling you about three guys we're talking about. The first guy, Austin Novo said, the Baylor quarterback commit, who is now choosing between Baylor, Texas A&M, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. We told you about Pat Connaughton getting three years, $28.5 million in an extension with the Milwaukee Bucks, plus a player option. And 33-year-old defenseman Ian Cole signs a free agent deal today with the Tampa Bay Lightning one year, $3 million. A good day for Notre Dame. 26 minutes after 5 o'clock. Darren Pritchett with you. Coming up next, our Sports Beat Twitter question of the day as we get rolling on this Wednesday. Budweiser's weekday Sports Beat on 960 AM WSBT. Streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the WSBT Radio app. And we are live on the Twitch app. Just search Sports Radio 960. WSBT. Sports Beat brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And by Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt Don't Shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat.
This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 29 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Sports Beat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett, and yesterday's Twitter question of the day, which was found on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. The question was, ESPN college basketball bracketologist Joe Lenardi, believe it or not, believe it or not, excuse me, on Tuesday came out with his new NCAA tournament projection, even though a game has not been played. Which of these three projections do you think will be the most accurate? Here were the three projections by Lenardi. Indiana, a four seed in the NCAA basketball tournament. The Purdue Boilermakers, a seven seed. And the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, an 11 seed. So which of those projections do you feel like has the best chance of playing out? Coming in third place in the voting, Indiana getting 15 0.8% of the vote. I'm wondering, are people saying they might be seated higher? There is a belief that Indiana could be the elite team in the Big Ten. I'm not there yet, but I'm wondering if people feel like Indiana might be seated too low in this bracketology. Purdue a seven seed. Really hard to say. Jaden Ivey gone. They lost some other guards to the transfer portal. Purdue is a seven seed, second of the voting at 36.8%. And the top vote getter, Notre Dame as an 11 seed. You felt like that was the most accurate of these three projections. Notre Dame as an 11 seed got 47.4%. I wonder if Notre Dame would not have gotten as many votes, meaning people maybe thought they would be better than 11 seed had they been able to acquire that big from the transfer portal. If, for example, a Paul Atkinson from Yale, who they got last year, came in this year, if that would change the thinking of people, because right now it feels like you've got some young guys to fill in on the inside, but playing five out is a distinct possibility with all the perimeter players that Mike Bray has. But the Irish got 47.4% of the vote. We thank you for voting. I think Purdue as a seven seed might have been my vote. I think that might be pretty close. Notre Dame could be a little higher in my opinion. Indiana, maybe a hair lower again. I'm just not totally sold yet. Let's see the product, then we'll adjust the projection. Today's question is already posted on my Twitter account at 960Sportspeed. Here is today's question. Which Notre Dame football assistant coach has the biggest quote-unquote challenge in fall camp working with his position group? You have four choices today. First off, Tommy Reese, not only offensive coordinator for the Fighting Irish, he is also the quarterback coach. So Tommy would have the opportunity once again in fall camp to get the quarterbacks ready. Tyler Buckner, of course, is the favorite, at least outside the Goog, to be Notre Dame's starting quarterback. But you also have to get backups ready to go just in case whatever happens as the season unfolds. So Tommy Reese, quarterback coach, is choice number one. Choice number two, Dylan McCullough, the running back coach, brand new, came from Indiana to South Bend to join Marcus Freeman's staff. Now we had biggest challenge as a part of the question. Does he have the biggest challenge considering injuries have changed the look of the running back depth chart for the Ohio State game with Payne and Diggs being injured? Right now, Tyree and Estime, likely your top two running backs, coming out of the tunnel at the Horseshoe on September the 3rd. That could be considered a challenge, getting the running backs ready for that opportunity against Ohio State. 
So McCullough is choice number two. Choice number three is wide receiver coach Chancey Stuckey. Now Stuckey's done a terrific job on the recruiting trails, enhancing the 2023 class. And the 24 class has a wide receiver commit in Cam Williams. But Stuckey, I would say, has challenges as well. You've got injuries that could slow down some guys at that particular position to start the season. You've got players that are in need of being more consistent in the passing game to help out Notre Dame's starting quarterback. You've got some second-year players whose roles are going to grow this year. Deion Colsey, Lorenzo Stiles Jr. fall into that category. So you could say Stuckey has the biggest challenges with getting young guys more ready and trying to get more out of veteran players. And the fourth choice for the biggest challenge among the Notre Dame football assistant coaches is cornerback coach Mike Mickens. Now there's a lot of familiar names ready to go at corner. Also try to get some guys from the last couple of classes ready to be contributors this year. So there you go. Today's question, you can find it on Twitter, twitter.com, then search my Twitter account at 960sportsbeat. Which Notre Dame football assistant coach has the biggest challenge in fall camp working with their position group? Is it quarterback coach Tommy Reese, running back coach Dylan McCullough, wide receiver coach Chancey Stuckey, cornerback coach Mike Mickens? Early on in the voting, Two of the four are getting most of the votes, and I'll give you a little tease right now that Chancey Stuckey has a slight lead right now. You believe he might have the biggest challenge during fall camp of the four position coaches we listed. So you can vote right now, tonight, and through tomorrow afternoon. Again, just go to Twitter.com and search 960 Sportsbeat for our Sportsbeat Twitter question of the day. Thank you for voting yesterday. If you voted already today on the new question, thank you so much. Looking forward to the results of this question on tomorrow's program. 5.39 is our time. Arguably the greatest golfer of all time. Just doesn't understand what some of his fellow golfers have done over the last month. Details next as we get set for the start of the Open Championship tomorrow. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960. WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Great to be back with you on 960 AM WSBT, a live stream at WSBTradio.com on the WSBT Radio app. Also on the Twitch app at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 544 is your time. Sunshine and 80 degrees in downtown South Bend. Tonight mostly clear. Low of 58. Tomorrow another beautiful day. Mostly sunny skies and a high of 83 degrees. Sports be brought to you by Budweiser, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and Pet Refuge. Well, the Open Championship starts in just a few hours across the pond at St. Andrews, the home of golf, the home of the road hole, the home of the hell bunker. It's such a unique golf course. You've got greens that have pins for two different holes on it. One of the greens is 104 yards wide. It is a different style of golf. Golf was meant to be played on the ground, not high in the air as we play today over here in America. You put the ball on the ground and you let it roll. Sometimes you get good bounces, sometimes you don't. But the Open Championship, once the game of golf made changes in where tournaments were going to be put on the calendar, the Open Championship is the final major of the year. You got the Masters, the PGA Championship, the U.S. Open, and now we wrap things up with the Open Championship. It is a big year. It is the 150th anniversary of the Open Championship. And the Open Championship wanted to make sure the focus remained on that storyline. 
they wanted to avoid the tournament being overwhelmed by the discussion about the Live Golf Tour. That is the tour that was recently developed. They are buying players to play on their tour. The Live Golf Tour is backed by absolutely dirty money from bad people and criminals from Saudi Arabia. But they are offering golfers a different alternative. Less tournaments. You only play 54 holes rather than 72. You have guaranteed money up front to join the tour. Reportedly, Phil Mickelson got $200 million. Dustin Johnson, $120 million just for joining the tour. There are more opportunities to bring home cash even when you play poorly. Pat Perez, 46 years old, longtime member of the PGA Tour. He admitted, hey, I hit the lottery. They're paying me all this money at age 46 as my career is winding down, and he took it, and he shot 80 in one of his rounds up in Oregon, the second Live Golf Tour event, the first in America. He shot 80 and still took home over $900,000. This is a money grab. This is not growing golf, as these golfers try to tell you. This is a money grab. And right now they can play in the majors. The U.S. Open said, If you qualified for our tournament based on the rules we had put in place, you can play. And guys like Sergio Garcia, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson played in the U.S. Open as members of the Live Golf Tour. And here we are now ready for the Open Championship. 150th anniversary of this championship. They brought all the living Open champions back except one. They didn't bring Greg Norman back, the two-time champion. He is the guy that is the CEO of the Live Golf Tour, trying to steal golfers away from the European and PGA Tours, trying to steal sponsor money away from these two tours. It is an all-out assault on trying to damage the reputations of two long-standing and proud tours, tours that force you to play well to make the maximum money. Live Golf Tour is giving you an opportunity to not play as well but make more money. And you don't have to play as much. Some of the golfers said, you know what? I don't have to go out and play as often, and I'm making more money. But next year, will these players be eligible to play in the majors? That's what it's all about. That's why you got into professional golf. You want to win majors. Yeah, you want to win money. There's no doubt about that. That's with any athlete. But a chance to play in majors, a chance to go to Augusta National, play one of the courses on the Rota at the Open Championship, the great venues that the PGA and the USGA bring forth for the PGA and U.S. Opens. But that could change next year. I can't wait to see what Augusta National does. You know, they play by their own rules. It is an invitation-only tournament. Will they invite Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Sergio Garcia back? When you win the Masters, you're allowed to come back until you don't want to come back anymore. You can play till you're 80. But now they're on the Live Golf Tour. Do you think they will extend those invitations? We'll have to see. That is going to be a dramatic announcement. Tiger Woods, the greatest golfer of all time, arguably. Some say it's Jack Nicklaus. That debate will go on forever. But Tiger was asked about this Live Golf Tour at the Open Championship. We have not seen Tiger since the PGA Championship two months ago. Coming back from that horrific car crash and the injuries that resulted from that car crash, he did not play in the U.S. Open. St. Andrews, much easier walk than what he would have had at the U.S. Open, so Tiger is playing in the Open Championship. And he was asked about all these fellow golfers, some of them his friends, taking the money to play on the Live Golf Tour and possibly losing some great opportunities in the future. I mentioned the majors. These guys may not be able to play in the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup. Here's Tiger Woods on the decision that these players made to take this dirty money and be a part of the Live Golf Tour. The players who have chosen to go to Live and and to play on um, to play there, I I disagree with it. Um, I think that. Uh, what they've done is they've, they've turned our, their back on what has allowed them to get to this position. Um, some players have never got a chance to even experience it. 
Uh, they've they've gone right from the amateur ranks right into you know that organization, um, and never really get a chance to to play out here and, and what it feels like to play a tour schedule or, or to um, play in some big events. And you know who knows what what's going to happen in the near future with world ranking points, um, the criteria for entering major championships. Um, the, the, the governing bodies are going to have to figure that out. And I, some of these players may, may not ever get a chance to play major championships. And that is a possibility. Uh, we don't know that for sure yet. It's up to the, all the major championship bodies to make that determination. But that is a possibility that um, some players will never ever get a chance to play in a major championship, never get a chance to experience this right here. Um, walked out in the fairways at Augusta National. I mean, uh, that, that to me, I, I just don't, I just, to me, I just don't understand it. There you go. Tiger Woods on those players joining the Live Golf Tour. I have a hard time believing that the players on the Live Golf Tour are going to be eligible to play in the majors. Here's why. What they are doing is totally different from the PGA and European tours. Those are 72-hole competitions. The Live Golf Tour is 54 holes, and it's a shotgun start. It's like you're playing in a charity event at Morris or South Bend Country Club, Blackthorn Golf Club. They're playing a shotgun. And there's even team competitions. There's a big difference between 54-hole and 72-hole tournaments. You take a look at the tours, how many times a guy leading after 54 holes goes on to win after 72 holes. You'd be surprised how many times someone not in the lead wins those tournaments. That's not a complete golf tournament based on what we have on the other tours. This is important because... How are the live golf players going to get world golf rankings to qualify for the majors when they don't play in the same type of tournaments that we have in America and Europe? I can't put them in the same category. You're playing against 40, 50 people in an event on the live golf tour. 40 to 50, that's it. They might get more in time. That's not a golf tournament. It feels like an exhibition. If you win the next Live Golf Tournament with 48 players, is that the same as winning a John Deere Classic, which just was held on the PGA Tour, or an upcoming event? Like the Memorial that was over the Memorial Day weekend, Jack Nicklaus's tournament. How can you judge a 54-hole golf tournament with 48 players the same way as you've got a stacked field, at the Memorial with over 150 players, and they play 72 holes. It's a totally different ball game. To me, those individuals on the Live Golf Tour have signed their ticket to not play in majors, and I have no problem with it. Sure, I'd love to have Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Sergio Garcia, all those guys in the field. You want the best players in the world, but they're not playing the same game anymore. They've turned their back on tours that help them get to where they are today and help them have the very nice roof over their house and the financial backing where they could retire right now and live very comfortable for a long, long time. Tiger doesn't like it. I don't like it. And if those players are not in majors, I will not shed a tear. They've made their decision. They went for the dirty money. They don't get to play as much. I mean, if you want to play on this tour, why do you want to play in the majors? You can't have both things, in my opinion. We'll see what happens this week at the Open Championship, which will be starting in a few hours. You'll wake up to the Open Championship underway across the pond at St. Andrews. Rory McIlroy is the betting favorite. Scotty Scheffler, the Masters champion, the number one player in the world. And, of course, no surprise, the most bet-on person is Tiger Woods. He has long odds to win the Open Championship. 555 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Great to be back with you on 960 AM WSBT, a live stream at WSBTradio.com on the WSBT Radio app. Also on the Twitch app at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 544 is your time, sunshine and 80 degrees in downtown South Bend. Tonight, mostly clear, low of 58. Tomorrow, another beautiful day, mostly sunny skies and a high of 83 degrees. Sports be brought to you by Budweiser, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and Pet Refuge. Well, the Open Championship starts in just a few hours across the pond at St. Andrews, the home of golf, the home of the road hole, the home of the hell bunker. It's such a unique golf course. You've got greens that have pins for two different holes on it. One of the greens is 104 yards wide. It is a different style of golf. Golf was meant to be played on the ground, not high in the air as we play today over here in America. You put the ball on the ground and you let it roll. Sometimes you get good bounces, sometimes you don't. But the Open Championship, once the game of golf made changes in where tournaments were going to be put on the calendar, the Open Championship is the final major of the year. You got the Masters, the PGA Championship, the U.S. Open, and now we wrap things up with the Open Championship. It is a big year. It is the 150th anniversary of the Open Championship. And the Open Championship wanted to make sure the focus remained on that storyline. They wanted to avoid the tournament being overwhelmed by the discussion about the Live Golf Tour. That is the tour that was recently developed. They are buying players to play on their tour. The Live Golf Tour is backed by absolutely dirty money from bad people and criminals from Saudi Arabia. But they are offering golfers a different alternative. Less tournaments. You only play 54 holes rather than 72. You have guaranteed money up front to join the tour. Reportedly, Phil Mickelson got $200 million. Dustin Johnson, $120 million just for joining the tour. There are more opportunities to bring home cash even when you play poorly. Pat Perez, 46 years old, longtime member of the PGA Tour. He admitted, hey, I hit the lottery. They're paying me all this money at age 46 as my career is winding down, and he took it. And he shot 80 in one of his rounds up in Oregon, the second Live Golf Tour event, the first in America. He shot 80 and still took home over $900,000. This is a money grab. This is not growing golf, as these golfers try to tell you. This is a money grab. And right now they can play in the majors. The U.S. Open said, if you qualified for our tournament based on the rules we had put in place, you can play. And guys like Sergio Garcia, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson played in the U.S. Open as members of the Live Golf Tour. And here we are now ready for the Open Championship. 150th anniversary of this championship. They brought all the living Open champions back except one. They didn't bring Greg Norman back, the two-time champion. He is the guy that is the CEO of the Live Golf Tour, trying to steal golfers away from the European and PGA Tours, trying to steal sponsor money away from these two tours. It is an all-out assault on trying to damage the reputations of two long-standing and proud tours, tours that force you to play well to make the maximum money. Live Golf Tour is giving you an opportunity to not play as well, but make more money. And you don't have to play as much. Some of the golfers said, you know what? I don't have to go out and play as often, and I'm making more money. But next year, will these players be eligible to play in the majors? That's what it's all about. That's why you got into professional golf. You want to win majors. Yeah, you want to win money. There's no doubt about that. That's with any athlete. But a chance to play in majors, a chance to go to Augusta National, play one of the courses on the Rota at the Open Championship, the great venues that the PGA and the USGA bring forth for the PGA and U.S. Opens. 
But that could change next year. I can't wait to see what Augusta National does. You know, they play by their own rules. It is an invitation-only tournament. Will they invite Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Sergio Garcia back? When you win the Masters, you're allowed to come back until you don't want to come back anymore. You can play till you're 80. But now they're on the Live Golf Tour. Do you think they will extend those invitations? We'll have to see. That is going to be a dramatic announcement. Tiger Woods, the greatest golfer of all time, arguably. Some say it's Jack Nicklaus. That debate will go on forever. But Tiger was asked about this Live Golf Tour at the Open Championship. We have not seen Tiger since the PGA Championship two months ago. Coming back from that horrific car crash and the injuries that resulted from that car crash, he did not play in the U.S. Open. St. Andrews, much easier walk than what he would have had at the U.S. Open. So Tiger is playing in the Open Championship. And he was asked about all these fellow golfers, some of them his friends, taking the money to play on the Live Golf Tour and possibly losing some great opportunities in the future. I mentioned the majors. These guys may not be able to play in the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup. Here's Tiger Woods on the decision that these players made to take this dirty money and be a part of the Live Golf Tour. The players who have chosen to go to Live and and to play on um, to play there, I I disagree with it. Um, I think that uh, what they've done is they've, they've turned our, their back on what has allowed them to get to this position. Um, some players have never got a chance to even experience it. Uh, they've they've gone right from the amateur ranks right into you know that organization um, and never really got a chance to to play out here and, and what it feels like to play a tour schedule or, or to. Um, playing some big events and you know who knows what what's going to happen in the near future with world ranking points um, the criteria for entering major championships um, the, the, the governing bodies going to have to figure that out and I some of these players may, may not ever get a chance to play major championships and that is a possibility uh, we don't know that for sure yet. It's up to the, all the major championship bodies to make that determination. But that is a possibility that um, some players will never ever get a chance to play in a major championship, never get a chance to experience this right here. Um, walk down the fairways at Augusta National. I mean, uh, that that to me, I, I just don't. I just to me, I just don't understand it. There you go. Tiger Woods on those players joining the Live Golf Tour. I have a hard time believing that the players on the Live Golf Tour are going to be eligible to play in the majors. Here's why. What they are doing is totally different from the PGA and European tours. Those are 72-hole competitions. The Live Golf Tour is 54 holes, and it's a shotgun start. It's like you're playing in a charity event at Morris or South Bend Country Club, Blackthorn Golf Club. They're playing a shotgun, and there's even team competitions. There's a big difference between 54-hole and 72-hole tournaments. You take a look at the tours, how many times a guy leading after 54 holes goes on to win After 72 holes, you'd be surprised how many times someone not in the lead wins those tournaments. That's not a complete golf tournament based on what we have on the other tours. This is important because how are the live golf players going to get world golf rankings to qualify for the majors when they don't play in the same type of tournaments that we have in America and Europe? I can't put them in the same category. You're playing against 40, 50 people in an event on the Live Golf Tour. 40 to 50, that's it. They might get more in time. That's not a golf tournament. It feels like an exhibition. If you win the next Live Golf Tournament with 48 players, is that the same as winning a John Deere Classic, which just was held on the PGA Tour, or an upcoming event? Like the memorial that was over the Memorial Day weekend, Jack Nicklaus's tournament, 
how can you judge a 54-hole golf tournament with 48 players the same way as you've got a stacked field at the Memorial with over 150 players, and they play 72 holes? It's a totally different ball game. To me, those individuals on the Live Golf Tour have signed their ticket to not play in majors, and I have no problem with it. Sure, I'd love to have Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Sergio Garcia, all those guys in the field. You want the best players in the world, but they're not playing the same game anymore. They've turned their back on tours that help them get to where they are today and help them have the very nice roof over their house and the financial backing where they could retire right now and live very comfortable for a long, long time. Tiger doesn't like it. I don't like it. And if those players are not in majors, I will not shed a tear. They've made their decision. They went for the dirty money. They don't get to play as much. I mean, if you want to play on this tour, why do you want to play in the majors? You can't have both things, in my opinion. We'll see what happens this week at the Open Championship, which will be starting in a few hours. You'll wake up to the Open Championship underway across the pond at St. Andrews. Rory McIlroy is the betting favorite. Scotty Scheffler, the Masters champion, the number one player in the world. And, of course, no surprise, the most bet-on person is Tiger Woods. He has long odds to win the Open Championship. 555 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Show me the money. <laughs> we go with Sizzler. <laughs> we go with Sizzler. We press on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT on this Wednesday, July the 13th of 2022. Darren Pritchett with you. Thanks for jumping on board. 960 AM WSBT, WSBTradio.com, our WSBT radio app, and our new location on the Twitch app. All you have to do is search Sports Radio 960 WSBT so you can see a video of our WSBT studios as Sportsbeat unfolds every day. Sports wagering. We going to Sizzler. That line is from White Men Can't Jump as they try to make a little cash on the street so they can have a good meal at Sizzler. So we're trying to make a little cash for you so you can go to your favorite Sizzler. And last night, we didn't make a whole lot of money to go to Sizzler. In fact, we lost a little money. Last night went one and two. One game was rained out, the Nationals-Mariners game, so that game never took place. Here were the other three suggestions from last night's program. Twins and Brewers up in the Twin Cities, two division leaders going toe-to-toe. Minnesota had Josh Winder on the mound. Jason Alexander, not the Seinfeld guy, but the Brewers right-hander, went for Milwaukee. And Alexander, he'd been okay, this rookie, but... He's a guy that it seemed like the last couple of outings, teams were starting to get to him. And I thought the Twins would put together a really good offensive performance last night. But unfortunately, that did not happen as the Brewers knocked off the Twins last night. We had the Twins on the money line at minus 145. So the Twins were actually a pretty heavy favorite in the game. It did not work out as the Brewers won. Six to three. Suggestion number two last night. The Dodgers taking on the Redbirds in St. Louis. Matthew Libertor was the scheduled starting pitcher for St. Louis. With that particular piece of information, I went with the Dodgers on the run line. Dodgers minus one and a half runs at St. Louis at plus 110. But St. Louis actually tricked all of us because they went with an opener. And this is something St. Louis does not do. Tampa Bay does it all the time. Other teams have gone to it. San Francisco. St. Louis has not gone that route. 
They went with Jordan Hicks in the first inning. Now, he has started earlier this year before getting injured. Now he's in the bullpen. He came out and pitched a little over an inning last night to kick off the ball game. The rookie, Libertor, who I was wagering against, came in later on in the ball game, gave up a couple of runs, but I was expecting him to start. So that's a problem. And things didn't work out too well as St. Louis held on and beat the Dodgers last night by a score of 7-6. to six. So that's a first. The Redbirds going with an opener. Let's see if we can salvage something with the fourth suggestion from last night. It was a parlay, a two-team parlay. I had the White Sox on the money line at the Guardians in game two of their doubleheader. Plus, I went with the Braves on the money line against the Metropolitans. Well, the White Sox took care of business. I was all in on Dylan Cease in their matchup last night. I love Cease had the pitching advantage over Connor Pilkington, and the White Sox shut out the Guardians last night 7-0. So the first half of the parlay worked out. Part two, we needed the Braves to beat the Mets. I took Atlanta on the money line against the Mets, and the Braves were a major Actually, they were not a major underdog. It was a coin flip with their young right-hander who is just lighting up the South, Spencer Strider. He is a name to know if you've not heard about him. Spencer Strider throws close to 100 as a starter. Good movement on his fastball. And I backed him last night in part two of the parlay, and the Braves beat the Mets by a score of 4-1. to one. So despite losing our other two wagers, we kind of made up for that as that parlay of White Sox-Braves was plus 135. So we got plenty of juice back on that parlay. So despite going one and two, we actually did okay from a monetary standpoint, considering we lost the first two. So one and two last night, only three and four this week. And for the month of July, we're still trying to get going. Just 15 and 17 for the season, 65, 54, and one. My underdog pick last night was the Phillies on the money line at the Blue Jays. We took the Phillies at plus 155. I was wagering against Blue Jays starter Jose Barrios, who has been roughed up throughout the year. was okay last night. We came close to winning that underdog pick, but the Blue Jays beat the Phillies 4-3. So the underdog pick for the year, 15-14, and 14, still doing okay. Now we get to today's suggestions in our We Going to Sizzler Sports Wagering segment on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here we go. We start with the White Sox and the Guardians wrapping up their four-game series in Cleveland. Lucas Giolito pitches for the White Sox, a 5.05 ERA. His ERA is low compared to the Cleveland starter. Aaron Savalli has struggled all year, a 6.28 earn run average. It's almost a coin flip. White Sox a slight road favorite. Let's back Tony LaRussa. He's not going to intentionally walk 81 with an 0-1 count or a 1-2 count tonight. White Sox on the money line at the Guardians at minus 115. If the Sox win... They split the four-game series and crawl back to within five games of Minnesota, who won earlier today in walk-off fashion on a three-run home run in the bottom of the ninth inning by Jose Miranda as the Twins beat the Brewers 4-1. Second suggestion for tonight, we've got the Orioles, who are at 500. Who would have thought that? 52 wins last year. I think they're 43-43 and 43 right now. Great story. Brandon Hyde, former Cubs coach, manager of the Orioles. He actually was on Sportsbeat a few years ago as part of an event at the South Bend Cubs Performance Center. Hyde has the Orioles playing 500 baseball. They beat the Cubbies at Wrigley last night. So what do we do tonight? Spencer Watkins on the mound. For Baltimore, I called some of his games for West Michigan when he was in the Tigers organization. He will oppose Justin Steele. Last seven starts, the Cubby left-handers ERA just above three. 
I had written him off as a starter. I thought he was going to be better served as a long reliever, a lefty specialist, but proving me wrong, last seven starts, he has been fabulous and just welcomed a new baby into his life. He and his wife had their first child, so congratulations to him, and he is going to pitch tonight. So, Cubs or Orioles, the Orioles are the road underdog in this spot, and I'm actually going to back the Orioles once again on the money line. We'll take the Orioles on the money line at plus 115. Suggestion number three, we go back to the Blue Jays and the Phillies up in Toronto. I'm going to give you no analytics, no pitching matchups, nothing other than this. I used this philosophy earlier this year, and it cashed in. I love to wager on a team that just made a head coaching or managerial change. It's almost like hitting the restart button for the players. If there was a bad feeling in the clubhouse, it's gone now with that head man gone. I used this earlier this year when Joe Girardi was fired. And Phil Nevin became, actually, let me take that back. He's the Angels manager. I'll get to him in a moment. Rob Thompson took over the Phillies, and they won 10 to nothing that particular night after the firing. The Angels did not win, though. They were in the midst of a long losing streak when Joe Madden was fired, and Phil Nevin became the manager. I did not go with them that night just because some of the other analytics did not look good. But I'm going back to my thinking tonight. I'm going to go with the Blue Jays because they fired their manager, Charlie Montoya, replaced him with bench coach John Schneider. And how about the Jays? If the season ended today, they're in the playoffs, but they fired their manager. High expectations in Toronto. They're only 46-42. and 42. They're 3-9 and nine in the month of July, and they're making a change. Montoya was a 500 manager in his four years. And with the young nucleus of players, expectations are sky high in Toronto. So they made the switch. So that's why fresh air in Toronto in the locker room. Let's go with the Blue Jays on the money line against the Phillies at minus 120. And the fourth and final suggestion for tonight, Cardinals and Dodgers from St. Louis, game two of a three-game set. Tony Gonsolin, the 25th major league pitcher to start a season 11-0 since 1893. He will take on Adam Wainwright coming off a complete game in his last start. Tough matchup here. Wayno always good at Bush Stadium. Gonsolin has been dominant this year. I mean, not even giving up hits. Maybe it's time for the worm to turn tonight. Maybe this is the night he doesn't have his A game. It's got to happen at some point, right? You can't be great all year. Maybe it's the start right before the All-Star Game announcement who the starting pitcher is going to be for the National League. Maybe as a rough night, so Sandy Alcantara gets the start from the Miami Marlins, who actually probably deserves it overall with his numbers, but there's a strong argument for Gonsolin as well. So let's ride the home underdog with Adam Wainwright pitching. Let's go with the Cardinals on the money line, and there's some juice here, plus 135 against the Dodgers. Probably not a smart pick, but let's ride the wave and see what we can hit tonight by the old arch in St. Louis. So the four suggestions for tonight, White Sox on the money line at the Guardians at minus 115. Orioles on the money line at the Cubs at plus 115. Blue Jays, a money line over the Phillies at minus 120. And we'll take the home underdog, St. Louis, against the Dodgers on the money line at plus 135. Finally, our underdog pick for tonight, Not much of an underdog. It's plus 100, but it's a plus. I'm going to back the Astros on the money line at the Angels. It is Christian Javier, ERA just above three, taking on the old MVP Shohei Otani. Astros are the better team. Otani, of course, outstanding. But let's go with the Astros. Why not? At plus 104, our underdog pick for tonight. All the odds courtesy of BetMGM. 6.49 6.49 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Mark your cal- A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
Budweiser's Weekday Sports Be brought to you by our longtime title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. And by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. South Bend Cubs baseball from the land of Lincoln starts in about 25 minutes at 7.20. Pre-game coverage, South Bend at the Peoria Chiefs. First pitch at 7.35. Get well to my favorite dog, Wrigley. Had a little surgery. Hope you're doing well. It is 6.55 at WSBT South Bend.